And hi, everybody. Welcome to Sunday number four, where we are broadcasting to you on uh, online streaming uh, for the fourth time. And I tell you, it's difficult for me because I'm so used to having you here. I'm in our sanctuary with a, just a handful of people, our tech people and camera folks and a couple of worship leaders, and it's just not the same without you. And I'm so looking forward to being with you again. Hopefully, my prayer is that it happens very soon and we're able to gather together. And I believe when we finally are, it's going to be electric. I believe it's going to be powerful. And I'm just imagining a surge of people and the, the praise that, that goes up from this house is just going to, to rock the city. I really believe that. Uh, and again, I want to thank all of you for continuing your faithful support financially of our church. You know, I, I look at what is coming in and it so touches me. It's almost brought me to tears a couple of times because you are so faithfully supporting the church. And in turn, we are praying for you every day. I know some of you have lost jobs and some of you are afraid of losing your job and others of you have experienced pay cuts. And so you're, you're just barely getting by and so when I see the giving, it just, it moves me. And I want you to know that this is not in vain. We're reaching thousands of people via streaming video, people that we never reached before uh, on a level in numbers we have never reached before in streaming video. And uh, it continues to grow, and we're excited about that. So again, thank you, and know that we love you and we miss you. Now, today... I want to talk to you about something that I've been asked about so many times, I thought I'm just going to speak on it. This is the question out there, is COVID-19 a sign of the end? Is it in Bible prophecy? Can we look at what is happening today and say, well, the Bible spoke about this. Is, is it there anywhere in Scripture? What does God say about this virus? What is the Lord saying about what we're all experiencing? What, what does God have to tell us? And so I want to turn to Matthew 24, where Jesus has just walked out of the temple for the very last time. He will never go into the temple again. And he's walking out, and we're going to pick up the narrative where as they walk out, the disciples begin to brag on the beauty of the temple, the incredible architecture of it. And let's read what he says, Matthew 24, starting at verse 1. It says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. They were bragging on it. Wow, Lord, look at, look at this incredible structure. But in verse 2, listen to what Jesus says. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Mind-blowing statement. Verse 3 says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they asked three questions. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? That is the destruction of the temple. When is this going to happen, Lord? And what will be the sign of your coming? Question 2. And of the end of the age? Question 3. Jesus answered, watch out that nobody deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and they will deceive many people. Verse six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. 
Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many different places. And then in verse 8, he says, all these are just the beginning of birth pangs. Now, when you go over to Luke's gospel, when Luke is recording the same event, he adds, there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines. And then he adds the word pestilences, which is plagues or what we would call a pandemic. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, in times like these, we're experiencing right now, people begin to think apocalyptically. They begin to wonder. They look around, and and, and it seems like everything has spun out of control. All the havoc that this virus is is wreaking on uh, the world, not just America, but the entire world. And they begin to ask apocalyptic questions like, is this the end of things? This feels feels, uh, foreboding. Is this the end of the world? Are these things in the Bible, or does the Bible prophesy about these things? Or does this signal the return of Christ? Is this one of the signs of the return of Christ? Now, in our text, when Jesus told the disciples that the magnificent Jewish temple would one day be utterly demolished, uh, we need to understand they immediately started thinking apocalyptically because this was a really shocking statement to these men. They had grown up looking at this temple. This temple was one of the wonders of the world. And it's as if Jesus had said to you and me today, one day soon there's going to be nothing left of downtown Dallas. Every skyscraper and every building will be leveled and there's going to be no more skyline. Dallas will be level ground. How much would that shock us if Jesus said that? Well, you can understand the shock level these disciples experienced. So troubled at his prediction, the disciples asked Jesus, again, three questions. Let's look at them again. They said, when will these things be? Now they're talking right there immediately about the destruction of the temple. That was foremost on their mind. So they wanted to know, okay, well, if the temple's coming down, when, Lord? When will these things be? But then they asked another question. They said, what will be the sign of your coming, of your return to the earth? What will be the sign? Now, the word coming there is from the Greek word parousia, and it refers always to his second coming to the earth in the last days. They wanted to know what signs to look for that would precede his return. What will be the sign of your coming, your parousia, your return to the earth? And then the third question was very similar to the second. What will be the sign of the end of the age? Some translators uh, translate that the end of the world, but it's really the end of the age. And I believe the age it's talking about there is the age of the last days, the gospel age, the age of grace, which is also the last days. You know, it, it, it helps to keep in mind that the disciples often refer to the days they were living in as the last days. You see, after Jesus died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended back into heaven, that began the last days. And so keep that in mind. The the end of the age is the end of the last days. Now, 
let me just take a minute to point out that Jesus answered them with both short-term and long-term prophecy. That means Jesus went on a long prophetic discourse and he prophesied things coming soon and things coming way later at the end of time, actually down into our day. Now, let me take a minute and talk to you about the Bible. And let me just establish for a moment that the Bible is a prophetic book. The Bible you hold in your hand is a prophetic book. It is filled with predictions of future events. It's unlike any book in the entire world. There is no book like the Bible. Nostradamus, forget it. Um, the Quran, forget it. The, the Bible is filled with accurate prophetic predictions that have been amazingly fulfilled and many still left unfulfilled waiting for our time and still future events. One entire book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is total prophecy. It's all about future events. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 46.10 about God. God says of himself, this is God speaking in the first person through Isaiah, and he says of himself, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Listen to another translation. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Now, that's God talking. And here's what he's saying. God is saying, before something begins, I already knew that it would begin, and I also know exactly how it will end. Only God can do that. God knows when the beginning of something begins. He knew that it would. And then he knows when it will end, how it will end, what the result will be. Because listen, we humans dwell in a space-time continuum, and God created that space-time continuum. We live in time. Everything we see has a beginning and has an ending. But not God. God dwells in eternity. He created the space-time continuum that we live in. But God doesn't live in it. God lives in eternity. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end of a thing all at once. Only God can do that. Because he is omniscient. Omniscient means all-knowing. If you take that word, it's a compound word, and you divide it, the word omni means all and omniscient is where we get the word science, which means knowledge. So omniscience means all knowledge. And that's God. He has all knowledge. And God is telling us here that the reason we can know prophetic predictions in the Bible are true is, number one, we can look back and see how many of them have already been fulfilled. But we can also know that only God can accurately, 100% accurately predict the future because he's outside of time and he sees everything. He knows all. Now with that in mind, the Bible is filled with prophecy about Jesus, both of his first coming when he came to be the baby born in the manger in Bethlehem that we're always celebrating at Christmas time. But there's also a second coming of Jesus, the Bible predicts. 
And that's the one the disciples wanted to know about. Take the first uh, coming of Jesus. There are over 300 Bible prophecies about Jesus' first coming as the babe born in Bethlehem. Over 300 prophecies. And all 300 of them were fulfilled to a T in the life of Christ. That is simply amazing. That's stunning. This fact alone ought to cause any honest, inquiring mind to carefully consider the validity of the Bible. Now, what about the second coming? There are 1,845 references to the second coming of Jesus in the Old Testament alone. Let me say that again. 1,845 references to the return of Christ one day in the future in the Old Testament alone. 17 of the 39 books of the Old Testament speak about it. 17 out of 39. Out of 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. 318 references, and that averages out to one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament refer to the second coming of Christ. A stunning 23 out of 27 New Testament books make reference to the second coming of Christ. All but four of them reference the second coming of Christ. It is a sure, prophetic, future event. Now, having said that, the greatest prophet of all time is Jesus Christ himself. And based on the disciples' three questions, he launched into the longest run of Bible prophecy, his own prophecies in his entire ministry. The entire chapter of Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are Jesus answering these three questions. Now, he began to answer them by telling them or predicting what we might call general signs. He said, okay, you want to know when these things are going to happen. You want to know what will be the sign of my coming. Let me give you some general signs. He predicted that there would be general signs to look for that would lead up to the destruction of Jerusalem and the uh, destruction of the temple, which is what they wanted to know about. That destruction took place 37 years after Jesus predicted it. In 70 AD, the Romans overran Jerusalem. They totally destroyed the glorious temple of God. And you know what? Just like Jesus predicted, not one stone was left upon another. Not one. Did the entire Roman army set out to prove Jesus' prophecy? Of course not. To them, this was just life. This was just taking over the city. This was attacking the Jewish people and destroying their city and destroying their temple. But Jesus had predicted it 37 years earlier And it happened just like he said. Jesus told the disciples that leading up to this event, there would be wars and rumors of wars and great earthquakes and widespread plagues or what we call pandemics. And we know from history that all these things took place in the 37 years between Jesus' prediction and its fulfillment. Not only was the temple destroyed like he said, and not only was Jerusalem destroyed like he predicted, But the Jewish Roman historian Josephus mentions both plagues 
and famine and earthquakes preceding the destruction of Jerusalem. It all happened, just like Jesus said. But now it's important to keep something in mind here. Jesus was also answering the next two questions. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So their next two questions went beyond the immediate uh, time of their own lifetime. They wanted to know what the sign of his return would be and of the end of the age of grace, the end of the last days. So his prediction of wars and threats of wars and famines and great earthquakes and pandemics would also be the general signs leading up to his return. Now, he gave us a very important key in understanding those predictions, those general signs. He said, all of these, this is in verse 8 of Matthew 24, all these are the beginning of birth pains, but, listen carefully to this, but the end is not yet. In other words, these general signs, famines, earthquakes, plagues, pestilences, what we call pandemics, famines, all of that, these are general signs that are going to be swirling around the world when I return, but they are not the end. They are not the end. The end is not yet. But when we see, now he used an illustration that all of us can understand, a woman in labor pains. When a woman goes into labor, her birth pangs start at certain intervals and they grow closer and closer together. I so well remember watching uh, my late wife uh, give birth to our children and how these labor pains happen. They drew closer and closer together. And this is how we would know the baby was drawing near, the birth was drawing near because they grew closer and closer together with greater frequency and greater intensity. Now listen to what Jesus is saying. The woman doesn't know the exact time the birth will happen. When she goes into labor pain, she doesn't know the hour or the minute that the birth is going to happen. She just knows it's near because the labor pains are getting closer and closer together with greater frequency and greater intensity. And Jesus is telling us here, Before I return, these general signs will begin to happen like a woman in labor pains. They'll start happening with greater and greater frequency and greater and greater intensity. You don't know the exact hour or minute or day that Christ will return, but you can know he's at the door. But it's up to him when he opens the door and walks through. That's powerful. All these general signs, Jesus is saying, will begin to crescendo like a great orchestra of tribulation before his return. These are the general signs that something prophetic is going on, but he adds, and I want to add today and really clarify this, the end of all things is not yet. Now, since it's a pestilence or a pandemic we're facing right now, uh, let's, let me speak to that. The truth is that just as Jesus predicted, we encounter pandemics of one kind or another virtually every year. Remember, Jesus said, um, here's what's going to characterize the world until the end of the age. And the end of the age began when he ascended back into heaven, the last days, the end of the age, the gospel age, the age of grace, 
where anybody can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The last days, the days of gospel preaching, the days preceding his return. Now you say, well, Jeff, that's been over 2,000 years. But I want to remind you what Peter said about God. He said, a day unto the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is just like one day to God. Because remember, he's outside of time. He looks into the space-time continuum and he sees it all at once. And to God, an entire millennium is like one day. And one day like a thousand years. In other words, there's no time to God. So even though it's been over 2,000 years, the last days are still in effect. The age of grace is still happening. And these general signs that Jesus predicted are still characterizing our world until he returns. The key is when they begin to intensify, more and more earthquakes, more and more famine, more and more pestilences and pandemics, more and more and more at, in, at greater and greater intensity with greater and greater frequency. Statistics would say that seems to be the case right now. I'll let you investigate it. Now, since it's a pestilence, let me talk about that one more time. Tens of thousands of people die of pestilences and pandemics every year because that's what characterizes our world. But it never spells the end. And I want to tell you today, the coronavirus does not spell the end. Is it a sign Jesus predicted? Yes, it's one of them. Pestilences, pandemics, plagues. But it's not the end. See, if you look back in history, you see that the world has always been rocked with plagues and pandemics. And you know what? Some were way worse than the coronavirus we're experiencing right now, though it is bad, and I'm not taking anything away from it. But there are plagues in our history that were definitely far worse. For instance, in the first couple of centuries, right after Jesus' life, two historic plagues ravaged the Roman Empire. They killed roughly a third to a quarter of the population. They killed three emperors and ravaged the empire. And as in the case of the coronavirus today, uh, people were panicking because they didn't understand where it was coming from. Terrible plague. A quarter to a third of the population. Think about that. We're not facing that. Then in AD 41, what is called the plague of Justinian reached the Byzantine capital of Constantinople and was soon claiming up to 10,000 lives a day. Think about that. Think if that were happening in America right now. But it happened then. But folks, it was not the end, though some thought it was. Then the Black Death that struck Europe in 1347 literally wiped out whole towns. And it was said that the living spent most of their time burying the dead in mass graves. It lasted about five years and killed as many. Think of this now. It killed as many as 50 million people more than half the population of Europe. And many people in that time thought it was the end of the world, but it was not. Because Jesus said, the end is not yet. Then the Italian plague of 1629 through 1631 was an outbreak of the bubonic plague that wound up killing some 280,000 people including over half the residents of Verona, Italy, and the Republic of Venice lost nearly a third of its population of 140,000. But it was not the end, just like Jesus said. Then there was a great plague of London 
that struck between 1665 and 1666. And at its peak in September of 1665, some 8,000 people were dying each and every week, totaling 75 to 100,000 people just in the city of London. But it was not the end, just like Jesus said. And then a last one that I'll just mention, a pandemic that many of your great-grandparents probably saw themselves was the Spanish flu of 1918. It infected over a third of the world's population and took the lives of 20 to 50 million people in 1918, including tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands actually in America. But the end was not yet, just like Jesus said. These are the beginning of sorrows, but the end is not yet. So in retrospect, is the coronavirus is bad. I'm not taking anything from it, and I'm not trying to marginalize it. But it's not in the same league as these historic plagues. So does the coronavirus spell the end of the world? No. It is just like Jesus said. There will be wars, famines, pestilences, pandemics as part of the world's landscape until I return. It's not that we shouldn't fight them. It's not that we shouldn't pray against them. It's not that we shouldn't search for medical solutions. We should. It's just that Jesus said they will be a part of a fallen world until I return. Now, here's what Jesus did say about the end of the world. So pay attention to this now, because this is the most important thing I'm saying in this entire message. Here's what Jesus did say about the end of the world. Quote, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, Matthew 24, 36. So he's still in his prophetic discourse on Mount Olivet, answering the disciples' questions. And look what he says. He says, guys, of that day and hour that you asked me about, what is the sign of your return? How can we know you're about to come back? Jesus said, of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. Even the angels in heaven don't know, nor the Son, but only the Father knows. Only God the Father knows when Jesus Christ will return. Now, Jesus keeps going, and he mentions two key people in Bible history. He mentions Noah, and he mentions Lot. And he compares the people of Noah's day before the great flood, and the people of Lot's day that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah before the fire fell from heaven. Jesus said this about them, and I believe he's saying it about our generation right now, our entire world facing this virus right now. This is what Jesus is saying to us. He said, they, the people of Noah's day and Lot's day, they did not know what was about to happen until it was too late. The great flood came, and Jesus said, took them all away. And the fire of judgment fell on Sodom and Gomorrah in a flash and took them all away. And Jesus' point is, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They had not taken Noah seriously when he warned that judgment was coming. They had not taken God seriously before the fire of God fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. They had gone their own way, done their own thing, and they were ignoring God. Jesus described it this way. He said they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, 
buying and selling and building. In other words, they were just doing life as usual, totally ignoring God. And Jesus said they did not know. So here is really the the thrust of his point in Matthew 24 with all these prophecies. He's telling us there is going to be a shock factor to the return of Christ. People just won't see it coming. Again, I read it to you. They did not know until the flood came. No one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels, not the son, only the father. So Jesus is telling us after all these prophecies, these general signs and more specific signs, he's telling us when it gets right down to it, there's going to be a shock factor when I return. People won't see it coming. And most of the world will not be prepared. So in Jesus' mind, the question is, and always has been, are you ready when your time does come? That's the most important thing. Are you prepared to meet your maker? Are you ready? Because you see, it's not how long you live. And you know what? Really, it's not how you die. It's are you ready when that time comes? So Jesus, after giving these incredible signs to look for, and after assuring us that he is indeed coming again, Jesus said, here's the deal. The most important thing is that you be ready because you don't know when I'm going to return. You're not sure. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. Just like that woman that goes into travail and to give birth to a child, she can't tell you exactly what hour, exactly what minute that child's going to be born. Jesus is saying, when you see all these signs happening with greater frequency and intensity, you can take that as a cue that I'm at the door. But you don't know the day or the hour when I'm going to turn the latch and walk through the door and enter time and space again, return to earth and set up my earthly kingdom. You don't know. He said at the end of his prophetic answer to the disciples' questions in Matthew 24, verse 44, he said, so you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. That, my friend, is the gist of his prophetic discourse. So you must also be ready. Be ready for his return because the Son is going to come in an hour when you're not expecting him. You'll be going about your business, just doing life like the people in Noah's day and in Lot's day, going to the store, coming home, going to work, paying the bills, raising the kids, storing up your 401k, taking vacation, driving around, going out with your friends, doing life, and suddenly Christ will come. And the whole world will be taken by surprise except those who know him and walk with him and have accepted him. And so I ask you today, since we know the coronavirus is not the end of the world, it's not. It is a sign. It's one of the signs Jesus spoke of, but it's not the end. But Jesus never denied there would be an end of this world as we know it. And so he said, are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? The Bible says in Hebrews, it's given unto a person to die only one time. And after that comes the judgment. And in a time like this, when so many people are sick and struggling and many are passing into eternity from this disease, 
in a time like this, it's high time to look up and say, am I ready? If this were my time, am I ready to meet my maker or am I just doing life as usual? And I really resent this virus upsetting my life. But you see, God can use this virus to cause you to think about something you haven't thought about maybe in your whole life or at least for a long time. And that is this. Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready to meet God? You say, well, Jeff, I don't know how to get ready. What does that mean? Well, I can answer that. The Bible says we must repent of our sins. You see, the Bible says that we have all sinned and we are always falling short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's word. We've all broken God's commandments. Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you taken God's name in vain? Have you committed adultery? Have you broken any of the Ten Commandments? Then you've sinned. And we've all broken the Ten Commandments. And that's where sin comes from, breaking God's law. And that's why we need to repent of sin. Because when we repent of sin, we're saying, God, I agree with you that I have broken your word, I've broken your law, and I have committed sin. And because of my sin, my relationship with you is broken. And that's why Christ came. The Bible says Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. The first word out of Jesus' mouth when he began preaching was the word repent. And repent simply means I turn from my sin, I admit it to God, and I say, God, forgive me. I go to Jesus and say, the Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead on my behalf. Your blood shed on the cross for me is the only currency that can buy my way out of eternal destruction and carry me into heaven. Not my own good deeds, not being a good person, not never getting a traffic ticket, not any religion that I choose, but Jesus was unique. He said, I'm the way, the way where? The way to heaven. I'm the truth. The truth of what? The truth of all things. I told you the truth about heaven, hell, God, you, life. And he said, I'm the life. Whoever, no man can come to the father. Now listen to what he said. No man can come to the father, but through me. Was Jesus exclusive? You better believe it. Was the way to heaven narrow? You better believe it. There is only one way to heaven. Have you thought about that? Maybe you're thinking about it now more than you have in a long time because all around you now, it seems like our society is coming unraveled and the stock market is is in a terrible place and 30% of people are unemployed or have suffered financially and it's just, it's a time to stop and think, what about God? What about my relationship with God? What about my walk with Christ? Do I know him? Am I saved? Have I come to him? I want to pray with you. Uh, you may be a Christian already, and you know what, though? It wouldn't hurt to pray, just to pray. Maybe you can pray with somebody there in your living room. Maybe you have family visiting, and they're watching right now, and they have not come to Christ. Listen, I'm not judging you. I'm not pointing a finger at you. 
I love you, but he loves you infinitely more than I ever could. And he is speaking to you right now. That tug on your heart is the tug of God's Holy Spirit tugging you, pulling you, drawing you to come to Christ. Do it right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. Let's get our eyes off of this coronavirus for a moment. Let's get our eyes off of the prophetic signs Jesus gave. And now let's look at Jesus himself. He's there right now knocking on the door of your heart. So I'm going to pray a prayer. Let's bow together and pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead. You can do it. Just bow and pray. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I have broken your law. I ask you to come into my heart as Savior and Lord. Lord, I turn to you to save me from sin and the penalty of sin, to wash my sins away and to come to live in my heart through your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I receive you this hour in your mighty name. Amen. Now listen carefully. If you pray that with me, I rejoice with you. And I want to tell you what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to pick up the phone and call 817-293-3111. That's 817-293-3111. Call it and say, I prayed with Jeff and we want to get some information to you. Now, if you'd rather go online, go to tpcfamily.org and click on watch live. Of course, you're already watching live, but uh, there where you are, watch live. Scroll down and you will see some buttons. And one of them says salvation. Click on that button. And it's going to take you to a real simple, short thing to fill out. And I want you to fill that out so that we can hurriedly get some information to you that I wrote just for you to read and uh, just begin to learn about your new walk with Christ. So do that, tpcfamily.org. Go there, watch live, scroll down, click on the salvation button. And we want to send that information to you. And I'm so thankful. And I hope that this message answered uh, some questions that you might have had. Are we in the last days? Yes. Is Christ going to come again? Yes. Is coronavirus one of the signs? Yes. But is this the end? Not yet. We don't know when the end is, but the end is coming. And I thank God that you're going to be ready. God bless you. Join me Wednesday night as we continue our series through the book of Hebrews. It's been great. If you want to read ahead, read Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, we're going to go through that whole chapter on Wednesday night. And I know it's going to be a blessing for you. So until then, God bless you. We love you. I love you. Cindy loves you. And all the staff are praying for you. I can't wait to be with you again. Have a blessed day. Amen.